Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates, and our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Welcome back. I am your co-host, attorney Sean Bigley, and I'm here with Lindy Kaiser from clearancejobs.com. And this segment we are calling The Young and the Restless. And Lindy, when I hear that phrase, I think of bad daytime TV. What is your thinking on The Young and the Restless? What first comes to mind when you think of security clearances? We love the young people over at Clearance Jobs, and we get a lot of questions on our forum from the intern, student applicant, high school um, you know, demographic. I think I sent you a thread that we had gotten on the blog from just a dude, uh, clearly pining away for a job at the NSA, but potentially might have some issues there because he gave us a probably a 2,500 word essay about all of the bad things he has ever done in his whole entire life. And you're like, you wonder if like, am I being trolled right now when you see that? But I've actually met, you know, like versions of this kid before. Um, The NSA does a great job of recruiting in its local area. There are, you know, a decent number of young people, especially in that tech community. They have a photographic memory for every bad thing they've ever done. They have done some bad things, especially involving the internet um, sometimes. And so they have a lot of questions So yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm curious from your standpoint, helping, do you ever get internships that you're helping? Or I mean, are people only willing to kind of fight for their security clearance when they're career level person? Or do you kind of see those young people who have a lot of these issues or maybe people that are coming for the process later, but are regurgitating things that they did in middle school? I don't know. I'm just. Yeah. You know, it's really a mixed bag. We do actually get people who are in their late teens and early twenties who are applying for an internship in college and they're being denied a security clearance over it. It's the exception, not the norm. It does happen. And a lot of times these folks are in the D.C. area or they're in a you know major in college that is uh, political science, international relations, something like that, leading to a career that they hope is going to be in the national security field or the foreign relations field or something along those lines. And so th- this happens and they sort of freak out, they see the writing on the wall, or they think they see the writing on the wall as their career ending before it even gets started. Rightfully so, they take it very seriously, and they want to get this resolved. And it depends on the particular situation, whether that's possible. Obviously, I can't, you know, blanket say that, you know, everybody who has a clearance and and fights it is going to win their case. That's certainly not true. But many cases with young folks are winnable. And The reason for that is many of those cases do involve drug use. They do involve youthful indiscretions. And the government, you know, tends to view that in context. There's a lot more leeway that's provided for somebody who's 22 years old and maybe experimented with a little bit of recreational drug use in college than somebody who's 40 or 50 and decides to pick it up on a lark. And, you know, I've written about this somewhat in the past on clearance jobs with regard to ageism in the security clearance process. But, you know, it's it's true that, unfortunately, if you're older and you make a mistake, there's not as much leniency that's given. So some of the ways, I guess, beyond drug use that we see young people get themselves into trouble is alcohol. That's a big one. Obviously, a lot of folks drinking a little too much in college. We've had issues there with people who have had to go to the hospital because they've drinking too much, people who have 
fallen and, you know, injured themselves and, you know, just really unfortunate circumstances. We've had cases involving people who, as you said, doing things on the computer that they probably shouldn't be doing. That's often, again, another young person's game with the dark web and things like that. Relationships that have gone sideways, a lack of life experience. They do things that a lot of us older folks would probably cringe at. There's a lot that younger people have to sort of learn as far as, you know, trial and error. But the government does recognize that. So I wouldn't consider yourself totally down and out if you're listening to this and thinking, oh, my God, (laughs) am I ever going to get a security clearance? Yeah, well, there was a a report that had come out and it was specifically about, you know, security clearance concerns for Generation Z. And I think it highlighted a lot of the things that this forum visitor pointed out. It was drugs, porn and Bitcoin, foreign friends, just like those are emerging issues that young people, you know, sometimes come to the table with actually looking at do we need to tweak the adjudicative criteria so it's more nuanced? I think you can apply the current adjudicative criteria and address the issues, but attracting young people to government careers is a serious issue. We have a definite graying of the government workforce, so we need young people in those positions. And I think there are just certain things that tend to come up more for the younger generation. And I love how you pointed out, like I peruse a lot of Doha cases and it always is funny to me almost that they list the person's age and like marital status frequently in those decisions. But it points to what you said as a part of considering the whole person concept, they do consider your behavior. I think if you get caught the DUI or something and you're an older person, they actually kind of assume that, you know, maybe this is a pattern, but they just haven't caught it yet. Versus if you're a young person, you have this, there's an idea that, well, maybe, like you said, youthful indiscretion, this is not necessarily indicative of who you are as a person, and you actually have more chance to mitigate under the whole person concept than even an older person does. And they're going to say your age and your marital status and all of that stuff in their case. Oh, yeah. I mean, I anybody who hasn't had an opportunity to go online and sort of read some of the cases that come out of Doha, I would highly encourage it. It's fascinating reading. And if nothing else, it will probably make you feel a lot better about yourself and in your own circumstances, because I always tell our clients, you know, no matter how worried you are about your own background, I promise you there are a lot of people out there with worse who have gotten a clearance. So put it in context and take a deep breath. That being said, there are also situations where people are unsuccessful. And with young people in particular, one of the issues that we often confront in terms of these cases is, has there been enough time that has passed since those youthful indiscretions to demonstrate you know, subsequent maturation? In other words, can the government be confident that whatever you did when you were 19, now that you're the ripe old age of 22, how, how confident are we that you, know, you learned your lesson and this isn't going to happen again? And sometimes that can be a challenge. And often in these cases, what tends to be the most helpful is demonstrating some sort of a clear break where let's say the misconduct was drug use, just for example, and that was limited to the college environment. The person's graduated college. They've moved away from where they went to college. They've severed ties with the people they were using with or buying from or whatever the case may be. And they've started working in a professional environment. Those are real black and white changes in circumstances that we can often point to to say, all right, this person is in a very different situation than they were 12 months ago, 24 months ago, whatever. And yes, it's still recent, 
but you have to look at what's happened. What are the intervening circumstances that have happened to really shift the way this person is viewing the world or the sort of carefree lifestyle that the person was living previously when they were in college and had no responsibilities and could sleep until noon? That's obviously not <laughs> the case now that they're working at a defense contractor and they're expected to show up to work at 9 a.m. So, you know, sometimes it really does come down to those sort of fact specific aspects of the case that we can point to to say, you know, yes, this stuff is firmly in the past. And, you know, maybe somebody who's much older and did something that was problematic uh, a couple of years ago wouldn't get that same sort of leniency or that same break. This does cut both ways. I mean, I, I do think that sometimes the cases involving young folks are challenging just because the recency issue and frankly, some of the things that they get themselves into are emerging issues that older people don't really understand or didn't have to confront. Engaging in questionable Bitcoin transactions and going, I have no idea what this is. This wasn't around when I was that age. I'm just going to err on the side of caution and you know, default to a no. Yeah, well, that's a good point. The government will err on the side of protecting itself if it is a gray area. And that's why I would say, again, reading the form correctly and accurately is a huge help if you're a young person or anybody who's filling out an SF-86 for the first time and make sure you're only answering the questions that it asks. They don't care that you were a bully in fourth grade or that you hacked into your parents' router or, you know, or some of those things. Because I think sometimes like, well, there's a great area of like, I did something that was, you know, illegal on a computer and, you know, I wasn't caught. I mean, they want you, trust me. And I have seen, I have seen young people, especially the college students applying. I think sometimes if you have the right skill set and it's a skill set that the government wants, that's a mitigating factor in some ways in and of itself, because it's saying like, hey, I do have this specific IT skill set. I once used it for nefarious purposes. And now I want to apply my skills for good. If the government needs that skill set, there's more possibility to mitigate that there sometime. Yeah, actually, it's a great point. One thing that we often encounter with young people is computer expertise. And I'll be clear, I'm not suggesting that if you're over the age of 30, you can't be uh, you know, good with computers. That's not what I'm trying to say. But oftentimes, the people who are wizards here are younger. And it's just because they've grown up with it. And, and their entire life has been computers from a very young age. And I mean, I have young kids, they already know how to type. And I didn't learn how to type until I was in middle school. So you know, just some of these shifts, you know, involving technology and and the prevalence of it in society, I think you get a lot of younger people who are more attracted to this type of a field and and much more in demand in terms of their skill set. So we do encounter that issue where we have younger folks who have done some, uh, I guess I'll say, uh, less than legitimate things on the internet. (laughs) And that has you know, been an issue in their security clearance case, but we have had to make uh, exactly that argument and say, look, if you want people who can be effective offensive hackers, if you want people who can ferret out the weaknesses in the government systems and protect our nation in the cyber world, you have to be able to bend a little bit on these sort of things. They don't learn these skills on the job. They come to the job oftentimes with those skills and they didn't magically wake up and <laughs> all of a sudden learn how to be a hacker. So there are sometimes challenges there in in demonstrating that they're going to limit their computer adventures to the workplace and, and legitimate targeting or, or whatever the government's asking them to do. It's, it's doable. My advice might be different. I always say apply. Like, I mean, unless there's a clear, I mean, unless it's clear, you definitely have something. But a lot of times, again, there's enough gray 
here in the policy to say, don't exclude yourself from a government career because we need people with those skill sets. You know, work with an attorney, work with someone who can help you through the process. If you're really interested and you're really passionate about a career in the government, you can mitigate things, especially if you are a young person and you want to. Because I think sometimes we see those, again, the the young and the restless, and they have other opportunities on the commercial side. And so they'll just look at the adjudicative guidelines and think, oh, there's no way I could qualify. I'm out. I don't think that's the approach. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's any harm in trying. And, you know, when in doubt, there are ways to sort of get uh, an assessment of your odds. And one of those ways to do that is by talking with an expert who is familiar with the process and filling out, for example, a mock version of the security clearance application, the SF-86, and going through it with that person and getting a real sort of gut check on, is this a possibility or do I have to wait a couple more years? So there are options. You know, If you think that you may run into some trouble before you sort of write it off, maybe a little bit of investment up front in a real opinion on your chances of success is something that's worth doing. Oh, forget SAT prep, Sean. I'm going to be security clearance prep. Don't steal my idea, listeners. That's going to be my new side hustle at clearance jobs. We'll see if they approve it. Security clearance prep 101. We're here for you, young people. Just visit us over at clearancejobs.com. This is Katie Keller, editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of ClearedCast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.